Hi there, and welcome to the Oomcall.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for this episode, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with legendary pipe salesman and aficionado, Keith Moore. Keith is the guy we can thank for helping bring high-end pipes to the American market. Incredibly influential, multi-talented, and just a great guy. I hope you will not just listen to this bit of pipe history, but seek this guy out. Tell him thank you, and have him help you find your next treasure. The following podcast is made possible by... Monstrosity Pipes. Who knew such ugly pipes could help our hobby? Hey, we don't have telethons or donation drives, so if you enjoy what you hear, support the podcast by adopting a beast today. Each beast comes with an ashes-to-ashes guarantee. You can also support simply by clicking on the Donate button right there at the site. If you want to keep this train rolling, please support today. The Keith Moore Podcast was recorded on July 9th, 2010. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. Okay, uh, welcome to podcast. I'm sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee with uh, my buddy Keith Moore from Uptowns. Keith, thank you so much for joining me. Oh man, Oli, thanks for asking me to do this. I I'm, appreciate it. Keith, tell me a little bit about um, what you do here at Uptowns first. Well, I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I've come back into the business. You know, I left in 99 or 2000, actually 2000. And uh, from 95 to, to 2000, I started within the company, within Uptowns, I started the pipe department. And uh, kind of began with Julius Fez. And then in, I met Yes Konovitz, and then through Rick Newcomb's help, Rick Newcomb introduced me to Yes Conovitz at a Chicago show. And uh, for about three years there at Uptowns, we were the only place in America that was, you know, bringing the high-end Danish pipes over, Conovitz, Bang, Everson, and Bo Nord. And uh, so I did, you know, I did that till 2000 and then uh, had a great opportunity come in my life, you know, and it was hard to do, but it was something I really felt I should do. It was um, uh, related to music, and that's something I've always done is written music and played music. And uh, it's kind of one of those things where you'd be a fool to pass it up, you know. So I did. I did that. And really, honestly, Oli, for 10 years, man, I was not in the pipe world at all. I mean, I smoked my pipes all the time. Yeah. But it kind of like was a river flowing on and... It just became what it's become over the past 10 years. And in February of this this year, the owner uh, of Uptowns, out of the blue, calls me and says, we'd like for you to come back. And and it was just like I was not expecting that, you know. And I um, really, but it was, a, the timing was unbelievable. It was like I just finished touring in California and promoting a record I'd put out. And I was kind of at the end of that, and I was thinking, well, you know, what am I going to do next, you know? And my love for pipes has never waned. You know, my passion for pipes, my passion for the for the collect uh, the carvers, has never diminished. I've always just looked up to them so much, and and actually very close to them, you know, to a lot of them. And um, so, 
it was kind of like my wife and I sat down. We talked about it for about five minutes, and she said, "You better take this job." Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, I came back in March, and and once again, you got to understand, I didn't know what was going on or happening in the pipe world. And so, really, from March to May, I've just been kind of learning again what's happening. You know, uh, this is such a different world than it was then. You know, so different. And uh, now, when you started, uh, or when you left in 2000, from 2000 till uh, when you started at Uptowns, what what year was that? And and how many years was that? What was that like? Well, it was 10 years. Uh, I left. The last thing I did with Uptowns in the pipe business was San Antonio, um, RTDA. I got on an airplane in San Antonio and went to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And from that point on, for 10 years, I made music, raised horses, trained horses, quarter horses, and we have a farm in Oxford, Mississippi. We just sold that recently. So that was my world for 10 years, was, you know, mutant you know, making the music, training, you know, raising horses, you know, and uh, and then in March, I mean, then I came back in March 2010, so it's almost exactly, you know, 10 wow. years. Yeah. Do you still have that quarter horse farm? No, we just sold it. Mm-hmm. We just sold our farm about, well, about six months ago now, and uh, it was hard to do, but yeah. it, was, it was something we needed to do, and with me traveling so much with the music, and my wife worked in town in Oxford, that's where... We're back and forth right now, Oxford, Nashville, Oxford, Nashville. So we're we're still kind of in that transition period, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for the listeners, uh, you can hear in the background some music playing. That is Keith's work. So, uh, Keith, <laughs> tell tell the listeners where uh, they can find more of your work. Well, my website is where you can get everything. <clears throat> in fact, too, you can listen to everything before you buy it. You know, I I put the whole albums on there. You know. Um, but it's www.wkeithmore.com. W-K-E-I-T-H-M-O-O-R-E.com. Excellent. And it's on iTunes and CD Baby and it's on all those places. And we'll put a link on our site too as well. Um, tell me about your artistic background as far as music goes. How did you get into music? When did you start? And, uh, it, you know... Well, How did all that begin? It's a great question, especially with this music playing in the background, because this is a new record that I just started working on with actually the manager here at Uptowns. Dan manages the cigar part of everything. Scott, Scott, is an incredible producer and plays steel guitar and all, and bass and drums and and he. Um, I had no idea when I came here that he did all that. I had no clue. And um, and it's funny you asked me about my history of it because my history of music really began with this style of music. I grew up listening to stuff my dad did, you know, Merle Haggard and Buck Owens. And and I've always wanted to make a record in that vein, but I never have. All my records have been real folk-driven, you know, folk folk rock, folk acoustic. Just never had the right time timing to do something like this with steel guitar and all that kind of stuff. So I wrote about 30 songs and... Uh, Played and gave him to Scott over a period of time, and, and I thought we would pick 12, 13, you know. And one day he said, "Look, I want to do a, a two-disc record." <laughs> so I said, "Okay, I've never done that before either." But uh, I started writing when I was fourteen, and then it's just—it's a gift, you know, man. It's not like I can 
I've never really been trained. I, I can't read music. I can't, you know, just a gift. Uh, but in, when we moved to Nashville in 86, my wife and I were married in 86, we moved to Nashville. And I wrote for Fame out of Muscle Shoals for a year. Then I wrote for BMG for about five years. So I, wrote, I, I was in the business for a while. Yeah. You know, but um, but I've always kind of been on the edge musically. I've never really, I don't really like modern country music, and it's just doesn't have a lot of heart, you know, a lot of soul to me. Um, I like the old guys, you know, Willie, and you know, I love Bob Dylan, and you know, um, Tom Waits, people like that, and and then the older country guys, you know, Buck, things like that, and so it's really fun. To be able to do a, to do a record in this style, you know, so it felt like I'm going home. You know? Yeah. When you were training uh, Quarter Horse Sun Farm, um, how much of your time was spent between that and music? It was just intertwined. Yeah. I mean, I'm always writing. And I had a studio in my barn. My, I had a studio in the office in the barn, and you know, I. I'd work the horses, you know, usually in the mornings before it got too hot, you know. Yeah. And then in the afternoons, I would, some days I'd write, record, you know. Um, but, you know, I have a 19-year-old son, and he's all through high school, he played football, and so we were always, you know, just kind of whenever, you know, just kind of all, you know, mixed together, and mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time on both, I guess, you know. How about pipes? When did you first start to get interested in pipes? Well, in 1987, I, I think it was 87, yeah, I read a biography by A.N. Wilson on C.S. Lewis. And I'm a huge Lewis fan. And all through the biography, uh, it kept talking about Lewis and, and when he would get together with the, uh, the Inklings, you know, Tolkien and the other guys from, the, uh, from Oxford there, and they would smoke pipes. And I just was fascinated because my uncle smoked a pipe. My grandfather had a pipe. Uh, and so I kind of had an, an, an interest a little bit from that. But, man, when I read the bi- uh, biography, and I would read it out loud to my wife, you know, I'd be like, wow, oh, listen to this. This is cool. Because I never smoked cigarettes. I never, I've always been kind of a health nut, you know. And uh, and so my wife goes out and bought, and bought me a little cheap Italian pipe. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And she didn't know. I mean, I didn't know. Neither yeah. one of us, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I remember I tried to smoke that thing, and it burned my mouth. And you know, one thing, I didn't know how to load it. Yeah. And she bought something, cherry something, you right. know, because, you know, it smelled good. Yeah. And it burned the heck out of my mouth. I remember thinking, how in the world does anybody smoke this? A pipe, you know. Yeah. And so went out to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and they had a smoke shop there called 310 Pipe, run by Dawson Wimsett great guy he's passed on now but went out there one day I had classes at MTSU and uh, had a couple hours between classes on like Monday Wednesday and Friday so I went by there and I and I said uh, sir I'm, would, you like, would you like to buy this pipe for me I, I, I you know he, he looked at it and he goes it burns your mouth up doesn't it I said well yeah how'd you know that he goes well he said this is a really badly made bad piece of wood and he said it's gonna burn your mouth up and I said, well, um, well, can you show me the difference? Because I said, I, I've kind of just said, forget pipe smoking. And he said, well, let me show you. So he goes over, gets in the state pipe. You know, it was clean. 
and he lo he showed me how to load it, and he lit he got it going for me, and I sat there with him, with these other two or three lawyers, judges, whatever they were, and they taught me how to smoke a pipe, and it it was night and day, yeah. and I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Yeah, and I became just emphatically, you know, into it, and and anything I get into, I'm kind of like overboard. My wife will tell you. <laughs> and so I started reading about pipes, and I started reading about the whole history of all this. You know, this was 88, 89, somewhere there. And I was working, I was breaking horses out in Franklin, Tennessee, in Brentwood, on Franklin Road. And, I, and you know, one day I, someone told me about Uptowns, so I started going in there. And I'd go in after I got off work, and I always had horse crap on my boots, and, you know, just kind of rough looking. And for about a year, I would go in there and hang out. And Bob Schenkel was the manager, and Bob always had a meerschaum in his mouth, always. And one day we were we were talking, and and he goes, Keith, would you like a job here? And I was like, man, I never thought about that, you know. He said, well, every time you come in, you sell a pipe for us. And he said, and you know more about pipes than anybody I got working here right now. <laughs> and I didn't even I, I wouldn't I didn't know this I mean I was just you know yeah. I wasn't even thinking about it I was just enjoying it and I said well let me talk to my wife I, you know and, and so you know I took the job started out kind of part time when was that when did you first it was take 95 okay 95 and uh, and I you know just for for like a year and a half just working on the floor closing the shop open the shop you know whatever and then one day Phil Keggy, a friend of mine, walks in with a Julius Vez pipe. And I just was like, wow, that is cool. That is so beautiful looking, man. I've never seen one like that. Because everything we were selling at the time was what everybody was selling. You yeah. know, Peterson, Stanwells, Dunhills. I mean, oh, well, actually, we didn't have Dunhill at the time. But, unless we had estates. But, um, so we kind of had this whole, you know, everything I'd seen, you know, you pretty much see. But when I saw the Vez, I was like, there's something different about that. And so I called a few people. And during this time now, you can understand something. I had been, the whole year and a half I'd been on the floor, I had a Rolodex behind the tobacco bar. And everybody used to make fun of my Rolodex. All the employees, you know, they used to make fun of my, you know, Keith's got his Rolodex. But every time somebody would buy a pipe, I'd write their name down, the pipe they bought, and the tobacco that they bought. And over a period of a year and a half, I built up 50 guys that I could call and say, hey, you've got the new Stanwells in or got this in. And, you know, so it was, I didn't, I wasn't doing that as a plan. I was doing it as a way to give the customers a, a good service so they'd want to keep coming back. And, and you know, and it really worked, you know. So I, I remember I called about Julius Fest Pipes and some guy I talked to said, well, you'll never get his pipes. He doesn't like working with Americans and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, well, I said, uh, I'm going to call him anyway. So I called him. We talked for about 30 minutes. And and this was without any permission from the boss at the time. I said, I, I want to get 15 of your pipes. <laughs> you know, these were, you know, 200 to $400 pipes, you know, 500 $600 pipes. And, you know, I had, I had no authority to do that. Yeah. But I did it. And I told, you know, uh, the boss at the time what I was doing. And, and, and he basically said, look, he said, your rear end's on the line. Yeah. He said, if you can't sell these, he said, you know, that's a lot of money at, all at one time. 
So, you know, I had the pressure on, but I called every one of those customers, and the pipes got there on Tuesday, and uh, we sent Mr. Vez's money immediately, which was unheard of. Yeah. You know, usually it's 30 days, you know. And because uh, I just pleaded with him, I said, please send him his money now, because I, I, when I sell these, I want him to send me more, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was a line of men standing out the door see these 15 pipes wow that's and, great and all fi- and all 15 sold in like 30 30 minutes <laughs> so, and so I, ca- I called mr vez that afternoon and i said you know and, and there's 30 30 something guys who didn't get a pipe yeah and they're all like hey the next time you get them in we want to see them yeah so i remember i i called mr vez that afternoon and i said mr vez can you send me some more he said send you more away he said what did you do what did you do with the ones i sent you i said i sold them <laughs> He said, he said, when did you sell them? I said, today. He said, you were kidding me. And I said, no, sir. I said, sold them. And uh, he said, how many do you want? I said, can you send me 20? So he sent 20. And same thing happened again. All 20 were gone in like in 20 minutes. Well, then Pipes and Tobacco heard about it. And they came and did a story on it. And that's when it started. Because that's when, you know, the we put a toll-free number... Yeah, you know, in the, in the magazine. Yeah, you know, we didn't have a website. Nobody had a website this time. Yeah, I was doing everything just you know, locally. And then I went to the Chicago show that year, and that's when Rick Newcomb mm-hmm. introduced me to Yes Condiments. And then Yes, when I I went to visit him, he introduced me to Bang, to Lars, and to Bo. Wow. So that's kind of how it all happened in, in a nutshell. Yeah. And then, and then for for the next three years. You know, it was all it was all phone calling though and email. It was no we, you know, no internet. There was yeah. no I mean there was no website. Yeah. It was completely me building this clientele like like I did locally. I started doing it nationally. Yeah. And it just started growing and growing and growing. So it was real it was a real you know I mean I couldn't keep the pipes. I mean they would go they would come in and they would be gone. Yeah. So it was a good thing and and uh you know but like I say, that was then, you know. So now it's a little bit different. But the thing is, one thing hasn't changed. Even though you've got all these websites now out there, and you got eBay, and you got all you know, these pipes move around now in lots of different ways. One thing hasn't changed is that attention to, to the customer, yeah. like really getting to know them, and yeah. spending time on the phone. That's what I do every day. I, I really find out what these guys are wanting what they don't want and then two I, I build a relationship where I can introduce them to, to some carvers they haven't thought of you mm-hmm. know that they and and, that, and just grow it like that that's the it's still the best way I mean we have a website and everything now yeah but I don't depend on the website it's just to me it's a tool that it's there and we're, we're hopefully going to be making it a lot better in the next few months I hope but um, but we do we just use it in a way that it's 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 like a like I say a tool. It's not my main thing. Right. You know, Uptown's is more of a the way I've always envisioned it. It's more of a a boutique kind of shop. Right. Where where guys really feel like okay, well they care about me. They care about me as a collector. But more than anything, too, the carvers that I represent, I, they know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything to you know cause them to have any fear or any kind of worry all I want them to do is make pipes yeah. I don't want to worry about anything else yeah. I just want to make pipes yeah. you know? 
And uh, so that hasn't changed. That's still the, you know, the thrust of what I do, but or what I try to do. But um, you know, ever since uh, I, I started dealing with um, uptowns, I used to get the little catalogs in my mail. Oh and, yeah. You know, I was wild about that. I loved just pouring over those catalogs and circling, yeah. you know, all the different ones that I wanted, and then call up and find out what's available, what's not available. Right. And the service that I got was always phenomenal. I mean, oh, that's good. you know, it's like, yeah. uh, you just, it's, these days, it's really hard to get a person on the phone, much less somebody who will actually talk to you. Right. And, and start asking you questions and be yeah. really, um, you know, on the ball. And right. I, got, I got that every single time that I talk to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, because that's, that's always been the... That's been the goal, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, there's, like I say, there's so many ways to see pipes now. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a whole mentality out there of selling pipes and buying pipes. But, you know, that's the thing I like to hear the best is when guys feel like, well, I've got, there really is somebody there I can talk to. Yeah. There's somebody there I can hate, uh, you know, I can, and, you know, sometimes guys will call me up and we'll talk for 30 minutes about horses or yeah. whatever i mean yeah. we and, and but that's just that's why it's fun to me because it's you know yeah you it's know, a, it's you, that human connection and i think yeah. that that's what a lot of, of retailers have missed out on um especially with the onset of of the internet and right. you know globalization and whatnot it's it's hard to get somebody who can connect with you anymore and it, it it's you know uptowns seemingly has has really focused on that type of thing because of you and that's that's awesome and and what's what's really cool is to think about you know all those connections that you made early on that actually brought um you know high-end pieces to the u.s that were never here before right well it was so funny when i went to chicago this year the chicago show first time i've been back in 10 years i couldn't believe how many pipe cars are yeah, and how many uh, how many Danish uh, uh, pipe carvers and Danish styles that everybody makes? You know, it's funny. It's like um, I mean, because ten years ago there were hardly any North American carvers. You know, there were hardly any other Danish carvers. Um, and it's really amazing to go to a show now and see so many. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's exciting because. Yeah. So many young guys are getting into it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like Todd Johnson and Jody. I mean, Jody, you know, Jody and I have been friends for 15 years, you know. And, uh, you know, Jody's just incredible. I mean, he's just amazing. You know, and Todd and Bruce Weaver. and I mean, you know, there's the Cornelius Mons over in Germany. That guy's incredible. You know, Mimo's starting to make pipes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not starting, he is making them. But... Um, and of course, you know, the Bang guys, I mean, you know, every time I see the Bang pipes for the, you know, new new crop that comes over, yeah. I'm just blown away because they, Pirandolf are kind of like little kids yeah, because they never think that they're good. They, I mean, they never think we're good enough. They never, they never ever feel like, oh, we've made it. It's, they're so driven to, yeah. to keep making a better pipe, you know. More beautiful, more just, 
better lines, better this. You know, it's funny, Rick Newcomb told, uh, um, he says that right before Bo died, Bo said that he thought the next great, or the, the really great carvers, and, you know, the next one would be Pirandulf. Like, they would be the, you know, like Bang was the one to always keep an eye on, you know. And uh, so that's really cool, you know. But, but the, yeah, it's like, you know, so many of these young carvers, like the North American guys especially, uh, Bruce, you know, like Bruce Weaver, you know. Bruce, five years ago, started working with Todd Johnson mm-hmm. and Jody Davis. And it's amazing to see his work now. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. His sandblasting is like, it's like, you know, you could, you could compare it to Cook, to Bill Taylor back in the day. I mean, you know, it's just so incredible, you know. So it's a fun time. It really is. It's great. What do you see as uh, what's next for you in Uptowns as far as the next step? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, Europe in October. I'm going to be in Copenhagen and then in Germany and then in Italy. I'm doing a documentary on Mimo and his father. Oh, wow. And uh, telling the story of how they've harvested the briar all these years for all the great carvers. And, and, uh, and of course, it'll be a lot about Mimo, too, now that he's making And his fiance, uh, Corinne, she's incredible. I mean, I don't know. People, a lot of people haven't seen her work. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's... But... Uh, and I'm going to be selling their pipes here in America. I'll be, you know, Cornelius and Nemo and Corinne and, and uh, of course, Bang. And, you know, I look forward I look forward to being in Copenhagen, you know, and seeing seeing everybody. I haven't been back in a long time. So it, as far as what's in store, I guess I want to build the, uh, you know, I call it my stable, my barn, you know, of carvers. And really turn it into a family again. And uh, and and just really help the collectors collect, you know. Yeah. Help them, you know. I've got so many great guys that's, that buy pipes here. I mean, just great guys. Just and they really love pipes, and they really love the art and the creativity behind it. And then to the function, they love the function. And that's that's uh, you know still that's still the most important thing. It's got to smoke great. It's got to be comfortable in the mouth. Stem work's got to be phenomenal. You know, I told someone one day, Conovitz would spend as much time on a stem as he did on a pipe, you know, and and that's why they're great. But what I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be a place where people feel like they can call and talk to somebody, talk to me, and um, know that I'm looking out for them, I'm looking out for what they're looking for, do my best to find it. Um, and the other thing is this. You know, someone asked me when I came back into the business, "Are you gonna, are you gonna discount bangs and all these other things?" And I said, "No, no. I mean, would you discount a Rolls Royce? You know, you don't go into a roll to a Rolls, you know, uh, dealership and say, uh, I'm gonna tell you what, I'll buy that for twenty percent off.' You know, I mean, you just don't do that. That's just it's a yeah. Rolls. Yeah. And bangs, Conovitz, Lord, you know, hopefully, yes, will make pipes again one day." But like Lars and, and Todd and Jody and I mean Cornelius and Nemo, I mean so many great carvers. You know, 
the one thing I, I will never do is promote a discount for those guys. I mean, I'll discount, you know, other, you know, the factory-made pipes all the time, and I'll give great, you know. But if I have a customer that has that I've really built a relationship of, with, you know, I'll I'll work a deal with that customer, you know, just out of appreciation. But I never want to hurt the value of the pipes right. or the carver. To me, when I see that happening out there, it's really frustrating. It's not frustrating so much because of it's the mentality it's building around these great carvers. That that you know, I mean nothing nothing bad about Peterson. I love Petersons. I've got six or seven or twelve in my collection. But I, it's okay to you know discount a Peterson and promote a discount, but it's not for a Conduits or a bank. It just, I mean, these guys only make 200 pipes a year, if, if that many. Maybe 150. Yeah. And yeah. Lars makes, what, 30 now? I don't even know how many he makes, you know. And and it's a different thing. It's a different world than the other pipes. Just like a Rolls is different or a Jag is different than a, a Honda or, you know, or a Toyota, which those are great cars. Right. I mean, I drive a Toyota. <laughs> but... You know, it's 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 a different thing, and that mentality I've noticed since I've come back. That's a real that, that bothers me because it it belittles the pipe carver. And I've had a lot of collectors say it makes them angry because they've been collecting these pipes for years, and they'll see these pipes discounted, or they'll see them, you know, thrown in, you know, in some way like a lot, right along other pipes that are nowhere near the quality, and. And it's a frustrating thing. It's a very frustrating thing. And that, I think that's the one negative I found coming back into the business, you know, is that there's this sense of, uh, I don't remember who said this, there's a Walmart kind of mentality. Uh, and, you know, and that's fine. Like I say, guys can buy a pipe wherever they want to, and that's great. But when you buy a pipe from us, I work deals with people all day long. You know, I, I'm very, very devoted to my customers but I'm never going to promote a discount for like Conovitz or Bang or, or right. Everson or Todd or Jody or you know I'm just it's just that you know, you know does that make oh, sense yeah. what I'm saying yeah you know yeah you, well you've got basically high-end sculpture on one hand yeah. that is that is functional art and then on the other hand you've got production made pipes right and so yeah yeah absolutely. and I hope that doesn't sound whatever but I it, I don't mean to afford to. I almost, I feel like one of my jobs is to protect yeah. the collector and the carver. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, it's it's frustrating when you see the things going on that don't protect them. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, yeah, it may, uh, somebody might want to, might like a discount, but what happens is over a period of time, it hurts the value. It hurts yeah. the collectability. Yeah. And so, you know, and the Russians and the Chinese, though, they're they're not worried about. It. <laughs> yeah, they're they're spending so much money on, on pipes. You know, which that's a whole new phenomenon. You know, that, what's going on with that? Um, but so I hope that makes sense. How new how new is that world that that uh, Russian and, and Chinese influence? You know, once again, you're going to have to ask somebody that's been around for the past four years, I guess, because I I don't know how long it's been going on, um, but I just know that. They make a huge impact when they go to shows. You know, they show up with a lot of cash, <laughs> and they buy everything, uh, pretty much that they want the first day they're there. You know, 
and whether they're buying it just for themselves or taking it back to sell it, I, I'm sure they're taking it back to sell it, most of them, but, um, but they're changing the demographic of pipe cost. I mean, you know, there's some pipes that, that were selling for four or 5,000 when I left the business that are now selling for 11 and 12,000. Uh, and a lot of it is because of, you know, the Asian, and, you know, the Chinese and the Russian kind of thing that's going on. Because mm -hmm. they'll pay double for the pipe, you know, which is really fascinating to me. That's, I, it's, 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 inter it's interesting, you know. How else have you seen um, the landscape change um, since you've been back? Well, I think the main thing is it's a different mentality for a lot of people to, you know, to click and buy. You know, click, you know, like go to a website. Just like if I go to Amazon and buy a book, you know. Um, I go to Amazon, I know what I'm looking for, and I click on the book that I want, you know, the author that I want or whatever. And pipes now are kind of been placed in that world in, in a lot of instances. It's, you know, different websites, it's really, it's like there. It's on our website, I mean, you can go on there and click and buy. That, that's a, that, it's a hard thing for me to buy into that. Because a pipe's not a book. Every pipe is so unique. Every Peterson is so unique. Every Stanwell is so unique. Every every pipe is different. I don't care if it's the 3209 shape. The next 3209 is going to be different. There's something about them. It's like shoes, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, but I guess some people buy shoes online. But but if I, you know, a pipe to me is much more of a hands-on kind of decision. And whether a guy's spending $85 with me, uh, like the other day, I like went on this massive search for a, a $125 pipe. <laughs> I spent three days trying to find this guy a pipe. And he said, and when I finally got him the pipe, he just could he, he was like, I cannot believe you spent that much effort on a $125 pipe. And I said, well, I said, that's, that's fun for me. That's, that's, that's what I like doing, you know. Uh, and I'll do the same thing for a $15,000 pipe. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's, that's, the, that's the mentality that I want to try to bring into the uh, world kind of that's there now of just clicking by, you know, where you pick up the phone, you call me, and let's find out what you're looking for. And let's let me build a file on you and know who you are and what tobaccos you like. And, and, you know, let's have a relationship so that a year from now you call me up and go, hey, Keith, you know, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. or, And you know that I'm going to try to find it. You know that I'm going to do my best to locate it for you, whether it's, a hundred, like I say, a $100 pipe or a $15,000 bone nord or something, you know. So so I guess I guess when I look at the landscape, that to me that's what's there. But I'm not really going to change how I've done it, you know. I don't know how, I don't know how to do it any other way really. now have, have you changed your uh, Rolodex or do you still keep a Rolodex or do you do it I do it all on computer yeah. I mean I have, we have an act file you know I have everything there you know I keep up with every customer and what they buy you know when's the last time they bought what tobacco they buy everything everything's 
you know. So that's changed slightly, right? So you've gotten out of out of paper and, and yeah, into the gotten digital out of paper. <laughs> yeah, if I tried to keep up with paper now, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, that'd be kind of hard to do. But what are some of your? Do you have? Do you have a pretty? First of all, do you have a pretty big collection yourself? It's so it's not too big. I've got about a hundred and seventy pipes. You know, it's fluctuated over the years. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, during, when I was out of the pipe business, sometimes, I mean, I had, I had to buy horses. You know, I named a couple of my horses after pipes I sold to buy the horse. Did you really? <laughs> you know, uh, but you know that was something that that I was thankful I had, and so I, I sold a few pieces over the years. But I, but I never really, I never really sold that many. I mean, I, you know, pipes are, every pipe has its story. You know. Yeah, do you, you have a few that you just will always have forever. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got, uh, I've got a Conovitz that he put his name on he was going to throw into the fire when I was over there and it was supposedly supposedly it was going to be his dove you know but he found a flaw right at the end I had to have a magnifying glass to see the flaw seriously and uh, you know a pipe like that I mean I, and I've had people offer me but I just can't you know that, that pipe's very special you know but I've got a Peterson that I would never part with why is that? I don't know. It's just like this emerald, rusticated. It's about a six and three quarter inch long Canadian, about a size five bowl, in between a four and a five bowl. And I'm I've probably smoked that pipe more than any other pipe because I would smoke it a lot when I was training, when I was working with horses, and I'd take people on rides. Be pouring down rain, I'd turn that pipe upside down, and it would stay lit. <laughs> that thing smoked like that thing just, you know, it just smokes great. It never smokes bad. I've never had a bad bowl in it. I've had it for, I've had it since '96, I guess. You know, so yeah, I mean, I've got, I got a lot of pipes that have. Every pipe has a story, though, you know, and that's why it's hard. hard sometimes it's hard to part with them. But like I say, when you, you know, you get in a situation sometimes it's out of your control financially, and you, you need to sell. Yeah, I understand that 100%. I mean, sometimes life is tough, and if you got something that'll help you get through it, you know. But um, do you still smoke that Peterson quite a bit? I just smoked it uh, yesterday. Yeah. What are some of your favorite pipes that you that you keep in regular rotation pretty often? Jody Davis. I probably got about seven Jodies, and there's one of his is always in my rotation. Yeah, they're just so comfortable. Gosh, they smoke great. Um, I've, lately, I've gotten into Bruce's pipes. Uh, Bruce made me a bent billiard. It's really, really smokes great. You know, it's not broke in yet, but I can tell it's going to be a good one. Uh, bang! I've got a, I've got a good number of bangs. There's one apple bang that just, uh, you know, it's the it's a perfect, perfect pipe. You know, um, of course I've got Conovitz's that smoke incredible. You know. Everyone should aspire to make a stem like Conovitz. Oh, yeah. You know, just the mouthpiece, the comfort, the you know, so good. Jody, Jody's real close. I mean, Jody to me is like, Jody's the Conovitz of America, you know. I think Todd's kind of like the Bo Nord of America, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, you know, I don't want to get in trouble uh, by leaving anybody out. But I mean, I, oh, I, love, I tell you another pipe I really like is Our Doors. I like those pipes a lot, and uh, Ronaldo's. I got a little pencil shank, Ronaldo, 
It looks just like a 1920s pencil shank Dunhill. Fish, you know, fishtail and stem and everything. And uh, that thing, man, it's comfortable. It smokes great. Um, it's the Acapos. I have all the Pictus. I love that pipe. I love those pipes. Those are great. Um, I've got a Lars Everson. He called a 357 Magnum. <laughs> you know, that pipe. You can smoke that pipe underground. You know, it's just the thing would not go out. You know, um, you know. So I mean, I, I I've got a lot of. There's a lot of different. You know, a lot of, of good course, go-to. Of course, Julius Vez. I mean, I've got a whole set of raindrops that he made. He made for me over a period of time. It's funny, you know, going to Big Circle. I come back to him. You know, he's still one of my favorite pipes, and he's such a great guy. Man, he's you know, he's like a my adopted grandfather, you know. How about tobaccos? What are some of your favorite tobaccos you're smoking right now? Can't get them anymore. <laughs> um, right now, Hearth and Home. I love their tobaccos. I've, I've gotten so excited about them. Um, the Classic Burley is phenomenal. The Strike Force is one of the best English I've tasted in a long time. Um... Armada is really good. And the anniversary cake, you know, I mean, that's just, that's like, and, and the thing I like about Hearth and Home is there's so much care. You can tell there's so much care in, in how he does the tobaccos. Uh, and they really remind me a lot of like older, older Dunhill, like the English blends. They remind me of like the old, my, you know, my mixtures, the old, the old things, you know. Um, Classic Burley reminds me of, uh, like, Bingle, you know, way back, Bingle Slices, you know. I mean, it's not the same taste, but, I mean, there's something about the quality of the, of how he does it, how he presses it, how he bakes it, how he, you know. So those tobaccos right now are just blowing my mind how good they are, you know. So, and I've turned it on, I've turned them on to a lot of customers, and they love them, you know. Very cool. Well, that's all I have for... Today, do you have any other things that you want to add in before we take off? Oh, no. I got, I've got one more thing. Um, if there's one or a couple of things that you would like to tell uh, guys who are just starting to collect, mm -hmm. what would be some pointers for them? Um, be open. You know, uh, one one negative about being really wrapped up in the pipe world is that there's lots of rumors and there's lots of uh, there's lots of arguments and disagreements, and and that's good. Those are all healthy, but but the negative in it is that there's a real sometimes an opinion becomes a it makes or breaks decisions for guys who are wanting to collect something or look into something, and and that you know I guess that's kind of like in any hobby, but with pipes I always tell guys well, you know the collectors who are starting out. Really be open to, to, you know, trying different pipes, trying different makes, different finishes. Of course, aesthetically, everybody's got their own, you know. Like you go through, I went through a period where all I smoked were bents, you know, where I was looking for the perfect bent, elegant, you know, egg or whatever. And I would collect those for a while. And now I'm like into really small, uh, I love really small pipes right now, you know, like size threes or, you know, 
twos and threes. And I like these nose warmer kind of things that are going on. I think those are fun, you know. But but you but what I would tell most collectors is first off you've got to know what your what's your budget. You know, you gotta don't go outside your budget. Don't spend more than you than you can. Don't do that. You'll regret it. You know, don't you know, find a find a range of pipes in your budget that you really can focus on and collect those and learn from those pipes and grow in that. And if your budget gets bigger, then move up, you know, or save up for one, you know, that you really want. But don't put yourself in a bind over that, you know. Take your time. And um but but always be open. You know, like my, my all the collectors I have always say, look, you know, you haven't never you've never tried this. You know, um, let me let me send you this piece. Let you try this piece out for a while and see what you think. And the guys who are open like that, it's so much fun because they, you know, either they'll say no, nah, that's not for me, or they'll go, you know what, I'm going to try another one of this guy's pipes, you know, and they kind of grow into it. And so it's, but you've got to be open about it. You can't just, you can't get on the internet and read all these things that people say or all these things. And you, you've got to do it for yourself. You've got to kind of, you know. I mean, whether it's a Peterson or Ardor or Ronaldo or, you know, whatever, you know, you need to look into the pipe for yourself, try one, and then go from there. Because that's the only way. I mean, you know, so does that, does that answer your question, yeah. I guess? Yeah. You know. Do you have any other tips or pointers for uh, budding collectors? Um, call me. <laughs> Just call me, you know. Uh, you know, we have a toll-free number, 888 888- Two nine two nine five seven six, and call me and and let's talk about. Let me build a file on you. See what you like, what you don't like. Oh, that's the other thing. You know, don't buy something that you don't like. <laughs> I mean, I, I, seriously, that sounds funny, but I know guys that buy stuff they don't like because it's the end thing or it's the thing I'm supposed to collect. Or that's what I'm talking about. You right. know. And then, you know, a few months from there, they go, "Why did I buy this?" Yeah. You know? And so uh, it's really important to know what you don't want to, you know. So yeah, I guess uh, don't be afraid to stand out, even if you like that shape. That's that's yeah. I've got a friend here in town, popular. one of my most, most respected pipe smokers, uh, Dave, and he he loves Chicombs. Newer Chicombs, you know. And most people hear that they go, oh, Chicombs, you know, they're not making, they don't, you know, it's factory made, whatever. But he started collecting them, and he showed me some of his collection the other day, and they're beautiful, you know. And the stem work is a lot better than what I remembered. Like, they've gotten better on their stem work. So right there, Dave kind of makes me go, I need to check into that. You know, what are they doing now? Why is that, why is that, why are they getting better, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, you know, what's what's driving that, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and and I think, actually, I think I know, I kind of re- researched it a little yesterday, and it's... Uh, Eve's son is taking over Chacon now. He's a young guy. Really, he's a really nice guy. Real passionate about pipes, and I can already see the effects of what he's doing. So, wow. and those are very affordable pipes. But you know, you might find one in there that's a really great smoke. But see, if you're in the if you're going on the pipe blogs and all the pipe world, most people will kind of dog that pipe or dog the new ones or whatever, and you know, they're doing this and they're not doing that. But that's what I'm saying. You know, listen to that to a point, but then figure it out, figure it out for yourself. You know, try the pipe, see what you yeah. think. You know, um, it's not brain surgery. It's not. It's just not that serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, the money part is. That's why you don't need to go outside your budget. 
but enjoy yourself. Have fun. I mean, crap, yes. this is fun. This yes. this has got to be a fun thing for us. We yes. can't. This ain't hanging sheetrock, which I did for a long time. Yeah. You know, this is fun, and I think that a lot of times, a lot of us would just take ourselves way too serious about it, and uh, we we would have a lot more fun with each other as a as a collectible group of hobbyists and if we would take ourselves a little less, you know, serious sometimes. And uh, But, you know, that's not to say we we don't want to take serious our love for pipes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Keith. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your yeah. busy day. Well, thank you. To uh, hang out and chat for a while. It's been awesome. And, and uh, it's just, uh, it's such a treat to actually... Uh, be it uptown, see the see the the new place. I know that they just moved not too long ago, but um, you know, be here for the first time, and to actually sit here and, and chat with you. Yeah. And you've done so much for the pipe world, and uh, you know, doing all the things that you've done in the past and in the present. It's uh, it's just really awesome to hang out and, and chat well, a little bit. I really appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate, it, man. Thank you. You bet. All right. <laughs> And that was my chat with legendary pipe salesman and singer-songwriter Keith Moore. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to support the podcast by choosing your very own monstrosity pipe today. I'm Oli for Oompal.com wishing you very good luck finding your next treasured pipe, maybe with the expert help of our friend, Mr. Keith Moore. Mm-hmm.